are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. Um, so we're, we're going to start again in Nehemiah. Last week we talked about uh, the art of compassion and conviction and the art of courage, how those things go together. And so today I am... I'm going to go into Nehemiah 2. We'll start again. And today we are going to talk about, and my, my mind has just left me, so I don't know what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about um, the art of the commission, which we kind of touched on a little bit um, last week, and the art of commitment and conflict. Conflict. So I'll just for a reminder in um, Nehemiah, remember, he asked his um, brothers how Jerusalem was going. Of course, he was a cupbearer to the king, so he was slightly removed from it. And his brother said, you know, Jerusalem lies in ruins. Their walls are down, meaning also that the enemy could get in and steal any time that he wanted. And so it wasn't a good thing. And Nehemiah picked up the conviction and the compassion, right? And he, he, he grieved about it. He prayed about it. It was like four months. And then he got courage. He went to the king and he spoke. And this is where we're taken off from today in verse two. So he comes, he says, then I was terrified, verse three, excuse me. Uh, Then I was terrified. He says, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king says, well, how can I help you? He says, with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, And if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah and rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And that word, send me, send me, it's the commission, send me. You think of Isaiah, immediately thought of Isaiah when I was reading that verse and Isaiah is in the presence of God and and, and, and he's worshiping undone in the presence of God and he hears this thing, okay, God says, do you know of anyone that'll go for me? Is there anyone? Do you know? And Isaiah picks up the commissioning and he says, send me. I'll go. Send me. It's, it's the commissioning. And we hear, we talked about this a little bit last week, but we hear from um, all over in the Bible, the great commission, right? That, that Christians, followers of Christ have the great commission, which is go into all the world, preach the gospel. Go, go. But I wonder if we recognize that when Jesus said go, it was a command. It, it was a command. It wasn't an option. It wasn't like if you feel like it, if it's convenient, if your schedule lines up, you know, he, he said, go. This is what you're a follower of me. Then this is what you do. Go into all the world. It was an urging. In Acts, it mentions the word commission. He says, I was, I was commissioned to go, and that word there meant power. I was given the power to go. God had given me the power. So when God commissions you, when Jesus commissions you to do something, he gives you the power to do it. He gives you the power because when God gives you a command, you will always need courage for it. You will need his power to walk it out. When God gives a command, it will always accompany his power. And his power is, this is important, his power is his strength, his energy, his know-how, everything that you need to do to walk out what he has called you to do. So when he says, hey, okay, church, go right away says this is my that's my power that's my strength that's my energy it's my know-how it's when you go out you are empowered to go and do it but understand that there is a stepping out in it when he says go that means oh i gotta move my foot i gotta put one foot in front of the other Right, we talked about last week, this, this sitting and waiting. No, he said, go, you go. And when you go, my power accompanies you. 
go. God will always equip you with everything that you need to do when you walk out what he's called you to do. He equips you with it. And a lot of us look at it like, oh, that's just not who I am. Like, I, I'm shy. I, I don't know. I, I, one of the things that I tell people the most is when they're like, oh, I just really don't feel like I got anything or I, I, feel, I feel inadequate. I'm like, yes, best place. It's the best place you can be because it's not about you anymore. It's about God's power, his strength on you, in you, working through you. It's the best place you can be. Mark 28, verse 18, Matthew, not Mark, um, says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given you all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, he says, I've been given, excuse me, all authority. He goes, therefore, go, there's his command, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here he says, go, I've been given all authority and power, therefore, go. Therefore, I'm giving you the power, go. The commissioning of God. So I want to show you what, what follows when you begin to commission or pick up the commissioning of God. What begins to follow? So verse 6 in Nehemiah. The king with the queen sitting behind him, beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When you return, and when will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province of the West Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through the territories on my way to Judah. And then he asks for more. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, and instruct him to give me timber. I love that. Like... He's just asking for it all. I will need to take, I will need it to make beams for the gates and the temple fortress for the city walls and for a house for myself. And look at this is important. And the king granted these requests. Why? Because of the gracious hand of God was on me. Favor follows the commissioning of God. God's commission is always accompanied by his favor. When you are fulfilling the kingdom, the plans and the purposes of God, his favor is attached to that. Now let me qualify this, is that we've, we've messed around with favor a little bit. And first I want to say this is God loves to bless you. That is, he, he is, a, that's what he does. He loves, loves to bless you. But we have often sought after his favor for our own selfish desires. For what I want, what I can get, and, and really it was rooted in selfishness. And so God, favor, give me favor. I don't really care about the kingdom. I really don't care about the lost and dying world. I don't care about the church. I don't really care, but I would really like a nice parking spot. I mean, like, we, we've messed around with it and saying God should, the, his favor. And then the crazy thing is, is we got offended with God because his favor didn't show up. But really, you were asking God to, to put favor on your selfishness. And, and one of the things that God said to me going into 2021, and we discussed this as a leadership group and an, an eldership, but he said this to me, Megan, you better check your heart going into this new year, that there is none of your agenda, your plans, your selfishness. And he said this, I will not put my hand on it. I, I won't. That's serious. Have I, have I begun to fashion things that were about me, about how I looked, about what I wanted, about what I pictured, and I'm asking God, favor that. And God's like, uh, but this is what I've actually called you to do. This is what I want from you. My favor's here. And I'm like, God, favor this. And that's what happens. We've done this and we've got offended with them because where were you? He's like, right here where I called you to be.
throughout the Bible, you'll see kings and priests that sought God. And the Bible says they sought his favor. They sought his favor. But you know what they were seeking in the middle of his favor? His instruction. They went after the fit. God, I want your favor. Therefore, what am I supposed to do? Therefore, where are you leading? Where's your hand in this? God, I need your favor. Dear God, we need his favor. So what are you instructing me to do? Noah was called a man of God's favor. Why? Because he followed the instruction of God. Are we following the instruction of God? Psalms 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which has no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit or a bridle, else they won't come near you. So it's a listening. Am I listening to God? Am I following or am I kicking? And you know, just yesterday I took my dog for a walk. And, um, you know, it was his first spring walk because he's just a real, I don't even know how to describe him. He's a suck. And so he doesn't really like getting his feet wet. He doesn't like cold on his paws or he screams. So this was his first walk in the spring where it was good enough that he wouldn't be too cold while he walked. And so I took him for a walk. It was all dry ground until there was an area where we had to walk on the street because the sidewalks still had too much ice on it. And so I'm walking with him and he's doing great, having the time of his life until a car came and I, and I, and I knew we had to get over onto the ice or we were going to get hit by a car or he was. And the little jerk that he is was like, I don't want to walk on the ice. So what does he do? Flips out of his um, leash and, is, and starts resisting me like, no, I'm not coming. Well. Here comes the car. He's this little brown dog that looks like the sidewalk, you know? And so I had to grab him to get him to come so he wouldn't die. I wonder how many times we do this. I don't want that, God. No, and he's like, are you kidding me? This is about your life. You may not see what's coming or you may not understand what's coming, but I do. Quit resisting me. So God said to this to me at the beginning of, of January in 2021 will be an incredible year of favor that will surprise you this year. Now remember, as I'm reading this though, it, it's favor on the will of God for your life. To begin to open up your mouth and ask, to begin to open up your mouth and ask of God. His hand is on you, church. God's hand is on you. There will be things God is asking of you to ask of man, so be ready. But do not forget that my hand is on you. Then in verse 9, it says, When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along an army officers, along army officers and horsemen to protect me. But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Amorite official heard of my arrival, they were displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. On a point out, it says, to protect me. That the king had sent officers and army to protect me. The commissioning always comes with protection. You are protected. You are protected. It follows the commissioning. Let me say this though, and I... I don't know how to... uh, The protection of God is that you are surrounded, that he will take care of you, but there will be times that you will go through hard times, and that does not mean that you are not protected by God. Let me read you a verse somewhere back in my notes, somewhere. Isaiah 30 says, even though, Isaiah 30 verse 20, even though the Lord may allow you to go through a season of hardship and difficulty, he himself will be with you. 
He will not hide himself from you, for your eyes will constantly see him as your teacher. When you turn to the right or you turn to the left, you will hear his voice behind you to guide you, saying, this is the right path, follow it. Then you will see your idols as they are unclean. Your silver overlaid idols and gold-plated images defiled. You will discard them like filthy minstrel cloth, well that's descriptive, saying to them, good riddance. Then God will supply you with abundant rain for the seeds you sow. He will bless you with incredible plentiful harvest and in the day he will give you lush, broad pastures for cattle. You will, when you go, God says, he will let you go through things. There will be times where you will go through hard times. And he says, in that time, I'm with you. I'm showing you. I've got some of you right now, you're going through hard times and you're like, what the heck? Have I got it wrong? No, he's working something out in you. What's he doing? He says, what happens is you're going to go through this. I'm with you. I'll show you. I'm right beside you, walking you through. This is the way you go. This is the way you don't go. And he says, but in the middle of when that's going on, when there are hard times going up, suddenly idols will be revealed in your life where you're like, whoa, that's wrong. Whoa, I don't need that in my life. I need to get rid of some things in my life. Some of you know what I'm talking about when you've gone through these where it's like, I can't have these things in my life. And he says, why am I doing it? To produce seed, to produce fruitfulness in your life. That's not the absence of protection. You're still protected. But it's a lot of us sometimes think, well, where has God gone? He's left me. No, he hasn't left you. He's allowed you to go through something to produce something in you. So protection follows the commissioning. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, So don't be afraid. I am here with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you, help you. I am here with my right hand to make sure, to make right and hold you up. Psalms 91 verse 11 says, He will command his heavenly messengers to guard you, to keep you safe in every way. They will hold you up in their hands so that you will not crash or fall or even graze your foot on a stone. He has sent ministering angels to protect you. Protection follows it. You don't need to be scared. Protection follows it. So back to Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah leaves. He has the favor of the king. He's picked up the commissioning. He is gone now to go do what he is called. He is gone. Just like the verse, go therefore, he is going. And so he's gone. He's surveying the land, seeing what needs to be done. He's keeping to himself, trying to figure it out. And now he comes to the officials, to the ministers, and and he begins to appeal to them. Uh, We'll pick it up in verse 17. But now I said to them, He's, this is the priests, the nobles, the officials, and anyone else of the administration. He says, I said to them, you know very well trouble, what trouble we are in in Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God has been on me and about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Yes, all together they said, let's begin. Let's rebuild. Let's start the good work. Now you remember last week when I, when I spoke, I said I couldn't help but read Nehemiah and the walls being broken down and parallel it to the church. I believe that, I believe that there have been walls that have been broken down, structures and systems that we thought were of God that really weren't. And he's wanting to rebuild it. But there is commitment that's involved. The art of commitment. This is what they began to do when they all came together and said, yes, let's rebuild the wall. They committed to something. Let me read to you what commitment means. It means a promise of a first decision to something. It is a guarantee given or a resolution. It is willingness to give of your time, your energy to a job, activity or something you believe in and finishing it to completion. It is a promise or firm decision to do something or the fact of promising something. Giving of your time and your energy to something, something you must do or deal with that takes your time point out the words do 
time and give energy. Another one. Commitment takes something of you. It takes something of you. When I commit to something, I, I remember, you know, dad, my dad, um, he, he was a businessman, I think the 60s and the 70s. And I think, the, I think the saying was, and if anyone is in this room that can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was like, your word is as good as your bond. Is that right? Your word is as good as your bond. That, that was like, that was the culture of the day. If I committed to something, I gave you a handshake and that meant something. You were committed. If you said yes, your yes was your yes and your no was your no. It was the way that many people did business was the way it is. That's not the way it is today. Our commitment is not what it should be. Not what commitment means. That I'm committed to completion. If I said it, I will do it. But nowadays, if you give me your word, I need to go get a lawyer, get some papers drawn up, need to have you sign in case I need to take you to court because your word was no longer good. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness. I'm committed to this. And I wonder how many of us do this. Like, oh, I'm just not into it anymore. I'm not, I'm not committed. I, I know I said it, but I'm just not feeling it. It's taking something from me. It, it will take something from you. That's why commitment is so important. Because at some point in time, it's going to expend your energy where you will become tired. And if God is rebuilding the church, it is going to take commitment. Commitment that says, I'm not going to give up when it gets hard. I'm not going to back up because it's taking something. It will take your time and your energy. We have to move past this place of consumerism Christianity because I'm telling you that's not a foundation of the Bible. That's not in the Word of God where I come to receive and I don't give anything. That's consumerism. What can I get instead of what can I give? The body of Christ was meant to serve one another. We were meant to serve each other. The body, the physical body in itself, it serves each other. It has a function. It, it shows up to serve. The body should show up. When we show up on Sunday morning, beyond Sunday morning, we should be serving one another, not what can I receive. Jesus was the servant of all. He says, I didn't come to serve. I came, I didn't, excuse me, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. That should be, that should be. As the doors begin to open up, as you, as Shelby said, the doors are opening up on Sunday, next Sunday, 1130. We should show up with the mindset of I'm here to serve. Where can I serve? Where can I be of assistance? Instead of what can I get? Finally, I can get something. Let me, be, let me be even more honest with you since we're all, we're all airing it. I'm just kidding. It's just me talking, but there are many things, and I'm talking about this is globally, but even within our own church, there are many things that people, the church should be doing this. The church should be doing that. They should do this. Why aren't they doing that? And it's coming from within their own body. They should be. They should be. And here's the thing is, is, the many, many people that, excuse me, the people that are serving are serving in so many areas because there's so many people needed that they're maxed out. That we could be functioning even better if everyone was showing up saying, I'm here to serve. What do you, where do you need me? Just put me somewhere. And not even just about our preference, just whatever it is. Whatever it is, I'll serve. 
that I'd even challenge all of us that as we begin to come and we make commitments that I will rebuild, I'm ready to rebuild, I'm stepping into it. God has said go, and so I am stepping into this place. I'm going to make a commitment, but that our commitment would also be that I will serve the body of Christ because together we're able to reach many more. Commitment, commitment is surrendering. And I think, I think we need to wrap our, wrap our minds around that, that it is a surrender. What is it surrendering? Well, sometimes I hold my time too close to me. Sometimes I hold my energy, my, you know, what I want to do too close to me. It's, it is going to, it will cost you. Sur or a commitment, well, so will surrender. It will cost you. It'll cost you something. It always will. I wrote this example down. Have you ever known somebody who was so talented? You know those ones where you're like, wow, like they just, they've, they're just so talented, they could do so many things, and they're just all over the place, and you're like, wow, they're amazing, but you can't trust them because they won't stay committed? Like, oh, man, would they be great with this, but they're not trustworthy. <laughs> You know that they're not gonna they're not gonna last. They're wishy-washy. And I wonder, can God trust us? Or are we wishy-washy? Can we can we be committed enough? Can we decide that no, if I say this is what I'm gonna do, I'm going to do it. I, I will be committed to this. I will be committed to the commission, even when times get tough. That's why you gotta be committed. Let me read you a verse from Galatians 6, 9. It says, and don't allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds, for the season of reaping is a wonderful harvest you've planted you've planted is coming he says you will reap it but don't get weary and here's the thing is many of us don't reap harvests because we quit because we weren't committed to the follow-through that when times got tough we got weary and backed out some of us have like spiritual ADHD like you you think, oh, God called me to this, I'm following through, and then it got hard, and now God called me to this, I mean. I mean, actually, God called me to this, and you think God's confused, but you're just not committed. God's calling us higher, higher. Matthew 6:33 So above all constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness then all the less important things things will be given to you abundantly refuse to worry about tomorrow but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time tomorrow will take care of itself some of us let worry get us off track we begin to follow in what God's called us to do, the commission, but then we let worry get in there and it takes us off track. And we slowly step away from the commitment, sometimes because of fear. You must stay committed. And here, lastly, conflict. The reason, one of the reasons why you need to be committed is because conflict will come. In verse 19 of Nehemiah, it says, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? Conflict. Conflict began to arise. And we'll look at this more in the, in the weeks to come. But conflict begins to arise. Therefore, I need to be committed. That if God is asking to, for his church to arise, to wake up, to begin to rebuild, I have to be committed. 
because when conflict comes, it's gonna intimidate me. It's gonna wanna make me back up, but I can't back up because I'm committed to this thing. Let's look at First Peter 5 verse eight says, be sober, well-balanced and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. The enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. There's conflict, it's coming, he's looking. He's looking. Verse nine, but resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack. How? Rooted, established, and immovable. How are you immovable? I'm committed. My yes is my yes. I don't back down. I'm committed to this. How do, how do you resist him? I'm committed. Come at me. I'm not moving. Knowing that the same experience of suffering you have, you are being experienced. Oh my goodness, I'm having trouble reading today. Experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. Jesus suffered conflict. Why? Because he was following the purposes and the plans and the kingdom of God and conflict comes. The enemy will want to resist what God is doing in your life. He will want to. You got to stay committed. I'm committed to this. Come at me. I'm immovable. You know, we cry out for the glory of God. God, send us, send us your glory. Do you understand what that means? It means conflict. It means pain. We've got to stay committed. Uh, Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, in, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him, and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of the heavenly armed soldiers, so that, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Let's stop being surprised that the enemy shows up. But instead, let's make sure we have the full armor on. See? See, the, <laughs> the church has wanted to fight, right? Even, even lately, you see that the church wanting to fight. But let me ask you this. Do you have the full armor on? Are you daily putting the full armor on? Are, are you spending time in his presence? I think we need to recognize as a church just how serious this is. That when you begin to rebuild walls, when God calls for the church of God to stand back up, when God calls for, for the church of God to wake up, when God calls for the church of God to, to get ready for what's coming, when that happens, do you understand what kind of war you're walking into? And when you do, are you making sure that you are found in the presence of God daily in his word daily putting on the armor of God daily I'm not saying you're not but I'm saying if you aren't do it quickly because the enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour who can I take out who of God's can I take out? You better get the armor on. You better get in his presence. All the way to your purpose. Demonic activity will try to get you off your purpose. All the way. Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly supernatural places. I said this last week, and I'll say it again, that we, we, gotta, we gotta shift our attention from being people focused, that people are the problem, they're not the problem. As the church, we love them, we love everyone, we love people. We try our best to see the heart of God for them. God, show us your heart towards them. 
they're acting some kind of stupid, but God, show me, show me your heart. Something's going on. What can I pray for? That should be, that's the heart of God. That is the heart of God that we would contend for, that we would love on, that we would pray for. Because my, my fight isn't against them. And some of us have gone into battle fighting with people and you never win that battle. But recognizing that there is a spiritual thing going on here, that the enemy opposes the kingdom of God. And if I walk in the commission, if I am committed, the enemy is going to oppose it. It may look like people are coming after me, but it is not people. I will take that person, I will take their heart, and I will contend for them in the secret place, and I will do war with the enemy, not the person. Ephesians 6.13, I'm just about finished. Because of this, you must wear the armor of God. The armor of God that he provides so you are protected. Church, we need to put on the armor of God so that we are protected. As you confront the slanderer, Look at this, it's beautiful. For you are destined for all things and you will rise victorious, church. He says you need to put on the armor so you can go after the enemy because you are destined for all things and you will rise victorious, but you gotta put on the armor of God. Back to Nehemiah verse 19. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They asked. And this is some things that God showed me of going into 2021, that Sanballat, his name means strength, and Tobiah's name means uh, God is good, but mockingly. Sanballat in this text, if you look at it from the church, is an enemy against revival. Because they're rebuilding, they're reviving something. They're, they're, they've gone into rebuilding and Sanballat and Tobiah, they show up and they begin to mock what God is doing. They're against revival. And God is, in, is going to bring revival, but you need to understand that there's a commissioning of the church needs to pick up. There's a commitment that says, I'm gonna stand no matter what, but understand that conflict is going to come. It's gonna come because it's against revival. When you begin to rebuild, you begin to set up for revival and the enemy will always oppose what God wants to build. And he will try to stop the progress in the kingdom. His goal will be to discourage you, to get you to quit what God has called you to do. The spirit overarching mission is to thwart God's work. And here it is. It is a judgmental, mocking, and insidious spirit. Insidious meaning it's kind of hard to put your finger on. It's a judgmental, it's mocking, and it's insidious. They'll keep coming at you, church. Listen to me. It's time to get serious with your walk with God. Get on, get on, the, arm, get on the armor of God. It's time to get committed. It's time to get committed to the body of Christ, to the people that God has placed in your life. It's time to begin to serve one another, that I am here to serve you and, and do whatever I can. It doesn't matter how you react. I am a servant. Most of all, I am a servant and I'm committed to this. I can't, I, can't see, I can't see somebody doing all of the work and becoming weak because that means that the rest of the body becomes weak. So I need to get into place. It's time that we recognize, I pray that in this message that you are recognizing that it's bigger than just what our eyes can see. It's time for us to get into place. It's time for the army of God to begin to immobilize. Like we heard, like I said last week, the spirit of God breathes on dry bones. Those dry bones become alive, but what do they become? An army. They get into place. Hear the spirit of God this morning, get into place, get into place. Now is the time you must get into place. And this is, this is, 
another part of, of the prophecy God came gave to me. And you'll hear more as we go on. In 2021, it's a time of rebuilding. God has removed and is removing structures, old foundations. He is rebuilding and it will be rebuilt on the foundation that is of him. Recognizing that many foundations we built with the greatest of hearts was not of him. Some of it was just passed down and we thought it was God. Eh? I mean, I don't know how many times I've gone to quote scriptures and say in the Bible it says and it doesn't actually say it in the Bible. Stuff that we haven't thought. God's, God's broke those things down because he wants to rebuild foundations that are of him. The fire of God has burned up what wasn't of him and it is time to rebuild the way he wants it to be. His favor and his protection is with us to rebuild. Conflicts and persecution is going to come because it will look like you are going against everything. Religious systems and structures will come against you. It's time for us to be ready. We've got a job to do. We have a command from Jesus, the great commander, go. Go, this is the time. I think that I had no idea, I had no idea at all that we would be opening up. I laugh, I said this to the elders. We were in, we had an elders meeting when the word came forth that church was gonna be able to open again and it just took me by surprise, like shocked me. And I said to them, you know, God will tell me detailed, intricate things, like stuff that doesn't even matter, like this is happening right now. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I'll send a text and I'm amazed every time, like God blows my mind. But did I know COVID was coming? Nope. Did I know that the church was going to be shut down when it did? Nope. Did I know it was opening up? No, it's like, God, you know, <laughs> help a sister out, warn me a little bit. <laughs> but I but I didn't know it was happening, but I, but I think that, that it is prophetic in nature that the, this word is going forth at this moment. I didn't plan it, but God did. I was telling Shelby this morning that when God gave me the word for ne Nehemiah was back in January and I, we had an elders meeting. I spoke to the elders. This is what God's showing me. And then in January again, we had a leaders meeting. I spoke to the leaders, said this is what, this is where we're headed as a church. This is what God's showing me. But God said, do not tell the church yet. It's not time. And I waited. I waited. And then he began to say, okay, I want you to dig back into Nehemiah and begin to take the church through it. And so I opened up my journal and I started going through all of the days of stuff that God had written to me. And here in the middle of it, didn't even recognize that in the middle of my journal writings, I wrote things like, Megan, you're going to teach the people the art of commitment. The art of, of um, the commission, the art. And I wrote this stuff, didn't even know I wrote it. And all in C's, go figure. But, but it was just time with God that, that, that he began to write. And then he releases it in this time as the church begins to open up. I think it's prophetic in nature that we are coming together and it's time for us to come together. But this time we are coming together with purpose in mind, not just to receive aligning together as the body of Christ that I show up together with you, together with me, to serve in any capacity that I can because we've got a mission. There is a commissioning from God that is globally is go, but there is a mission that this house has as well. And how beautiful and how wonderful would it be if we came together and said, I am part of the mission of Embassy Church that God has called me to, to the people God has called me to, and we will see Prince with a mission to see Prince Albert set on fire with God. Where can I show up? What do I need to do? Where do I need to be? Some of you, God has birthed things in your heart. It's like, I see this. I, I can see, I, I could see we could do this and I could do that. But what stops you is you don't want the commitment. I, I want you to know that God is calling you up higher. It says, I place that in you on purpose because it's your purpose. It's time to commit. It's time to commit. 
Let's read the last verse, verse 20. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. Okay, so, so um, Sanballat and, and Tobiah and Geshem, right? They're like, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? Are you rebelling, right? That's a religious spirit. You're going against. You're going against the grain. Is that even what the king said? Who do you think you are? And this is what Nehemiah replies to them. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. This is how you speak to conflict. This is how you speak to the enemy. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But you, you have no share, no legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. I pray that this is, right now, that this is our commitment, that we, his servants, we're showing up next Sunday, 11.30. We will start rebuilding this wall. We will start rebuilding this wall and the gates of hell will not prevail against this. What God has joined together, let no man break apart. Come at me, I'm committed. Come at me, I received the commission and I'm committed. Because see, you have no right to this. You have no share to this. You don't get to step inside. You don't get to be a part. You don't get to speak into it. You have no historic claim because this, the church, the body of Christ is the body of Christ. You have no right to it. You have no right to it. So I ask, I ask this of you that, that as, as strong as these words have been, that, that it would do something in your heart that says, I, I've, I haven't been committed. I do show up for what I can get. Or maybe I, maybe I do do a little, but I know there's more that I am holding a piece of myself back. I think that almost all of us could say, I am holding a piece of myself back. That, that our cry, our war cry, our cry at Embassy Church was that we will start to rebuild this wall. It's time. It's time. Let the church arise. Let the church arise. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person that is listening to this and hearing this right now. And Father, I just repent. We repent, Father, for our lack of respect, for our, for our neglect to the commissioning that you have called us to. For where you have given us mission and you have pointed purpose on us, I, I repent, Father God, we repent for holding it in disregard. For not, not seeing what you see as serious as serious, Father. For not putting honor on where your hand was. For wanting it to be about me. For my selfishness. For the parts that I held that weren't of you, Father, we repent of this. The church, your body, we repent of this for where we separated you from us. Oh God. Where we left you out of the church, Jesus, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us that we would come to be the body that abides in you and you in us. That we would pick up the commissioning and right now, Father God, and Father, we also repent for our lack of commitment. In the times where you have called us to do something and 
we got afraid, we got into fear, we got lazy. Father, we repent of laziness. The culture of the world that is me, myself, and I, Father, we repent of that. We do away with those things. Again, renew within us a right spirit, a right heart. And Father, right now, let's begin to pray to him right now, begin to to commit. We commit our ways to you, Father. We commit our ways to you. Whatever you ask us to do away with, put away, Father, we do that right now, recognizing that it's only hindering our way to what you've called us to do. We put it away. And then what you've called us forward to, Father, we commit to it. We pick up the commission and we commit to it so that we can stand strong and immovable when conflict comes. And I thank you right now and I declare it that right now, every person praying, every person crying out to God, every person calling them right now, that they receive the power of God that comes with the commission, the favor of God, the strength of God, the energy of God. Some of you have lacked energy because you wouldn't commit because of the fear. I break that off of you right now in the name of Jesus. And the, the protection of God on their lives in Jesus' name. And Father, right now, together, whoever listens to this later, we say right now, we will rebuild the walls. We will rebuild. We commit. In Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.